the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kieran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. Today, we are going to continue our very occasional series on the Marketer's Guide to Acronyms. We completed A, B and C quite a while back and you can find those past shows from wherever you get your podcasts. So today we've reached D and D is for distribution, directional policy matrix and drip theory. So it spans quite a wide range of marketing disciplines from one of the four P's to uh, strategy setting and communications. Let's start with distribution. Distribution is one of the original four P's of marketing, where confusingly it was called place, because I don't think they could come up with a P that covered distribution. So distribution is, very, put very simply, the art and science of getting your product or service into the hands of your customer or end user. So it gets your product and service from where it was made or produced to the end user. It can be, at its simplest, an artist who makes handmade cards and sells from one of the personal online craft platforms like Etsy or Folksy or Not on Amazon, all of which allow individual producers to sell the products they've created. So the artist puts up the photos of their product and sets a price. And they've thereby covered the other three P's. We've got a product, we've got a price, and we've got some promotion through the photos that they've put up. Distribution is the final P. It's getting the order, picking up the correct card and putting it in the post. And obviously, in order to do that, there's some processes behind that. You've got to have a mechanism for receiving an order. You've got to have a mechanism for knowing that the order's been paid for. You've got to register that you've completed the order. Um, you may have to inform the platform or the customer to look out for the order. But the distribution is complete when your card arrives with your customer. Now, that is the simplest possible distribution channel that I could think of. Obviously, distribution can get a lot more complicated. You've got, if you've got sell-by dates for a fresh product, then stock control is really important. If you're selling something that's live, a live plant, for example, you might need specialist packaging. Um, you might have to deal with a whole series of forms of logistics and warehousing and all the other elements that make up distribution. But at its absolute simplest, it is one of the four basic four P's and it's how you get your product into the sticky hands of the end user. If you're interested in warehousing, we had a very interesting podcast a while back looking at warehousing. Please search for that in your podcast feed. So directional policy matrix. Now we're in the realms of strategy and it's one of those models that it sounds really complicated to begin with. Then when you actually look at it, you think, oh, it's a nine grid box on a page. That's quite simple. And then you realise actually using it and doing the thinking and the scoring that go behind it is actually incredibly hard and can take a long time. But it is quite a useful model. And the times that you use this are when you've got several potential markets that you could take a product into or several potential strategic ideas. And this happens a lot in business. Um, you'll be sitting at a stage where you've suddenly got several good options. 
But all businesses are limited by time, by people and by money and other resources. So you have to find some method of selecting the best option or the best perhaps two options that you that you want to take further forward. So how do you do that? Well, there are some fairly unscientific methods. You can stick a finger in the air. You can throw a dart at a darts board. You can go on gut feel. And sometimes what we call gut feel is actually a mixture of lots of inputs and discussions and experience. So gut feel can get a bad rep, but can also work. You could choose the easiest option, the quickest option, the low-hanging fruit choice, but none of those really give you a scientifically rigorous way of thinking about your strategic options. So there are several more recognised frameworks that you can use. And one of them, the directional policy matrix, is sometimes called the shell directional policy matrix. And it's one of the many methods that you can use. There are others. Um, the most popular one of the others is actually called the General Electric Matrix. And yes, there was at that stage an element of competition between big companies wanting to have their own named methods. The GE Matrix and the, direction, the Shell Directional Policy Matrix are fairly similar, um, but have slightly different routes to getting to an outcome. So for the Shell directional policy matrix, you are measuring two things. You're measuring the attractiveness of a market or an option and the organisation's capability. So how do I work out the attractiveness of an option? Well, you might like to consider the, the size of the potential marketplace, um, the growth rate, uh, perhaps the potential profit margins, um, is that segment something that is going to be have longevity or is it something you're going for quickly? Both of those are reasonable, but you need to understand the strategic reasons for doing it. Um, is it actually attainable? Is it some market that you're thinking I'm sitting here as um, as a small firm and I want to break into a much bigger marketplace in the UK? Wilco recently, it was a discount store, went uh, went bust. One of the things that they've blamed for is that the new chief exec decided that she wanted to make Wilco a discount store into John Lewis, which is a much more upmarket uh, departmental store and chain. Um, so maybe you think it's a nice idea, but actually it's not somewhere your brand can stretch to. And then having looked at the attractiveness, the potential attractiveness of the market segment, when I said it, the thinking that goes into this is hard. This is where the thinking is hard. You're having to try and work out potentially, do you think that this market is attractive on these various elements? Um, and then you're going to look about the capability of the organisation. So how competitive are you in the, in a marketplace? Do you have access to the distribution channels that you need? Can you get your products from your from wherever they're created to the sticky hands of your customers? Um, what capital and human resource investment do you have? Have you got the staff to do it? Will you have to recruit a whole load of staff? Will you have to take your current staff and train them? What's the brand association of the organisation? And that's where I think the Wilco situation was one of the many things that they mentioned. Another of their problems was, in fact, their distribution. 
Um, and, you know, what's your current market share? Do, are you so tiny that you're just not going to be able to break into this? Do you have the capabilities? Uh, if you want to break into a bigger marketplace from a as small base, you're going to have to put quite a lot of effort into that and time and resources. So, so far, that all seems quite logical. You look at the attractiveness on one scale and the capability of the organisation on the other. And then what you do is you produce a nine by nine, so three, sorry, nine box, a three by three um, table. You put capability of the organisation up the side from weak to strong. And across the top, you have attractiveness from weak to strong and you create this nine box grid. Now, a nine box grid looks very, very neat and tidy. Obviously, there are always going to be elements that are at the margins and edges of, of those boxes. Nothing is ever so neat that it falls into a beautiful nine box. Um, but if you think about what you're going to do, you're going to have one box which has got weak capability and weak attractiveness and a box at the other end which has got strong capability and strong attractiveness. You can see where you might be uh, might be heading on a policy as to which one do I now go with. Um, it would be logical to think, actually, I want to go with the one where I've got the strongest and the strongest. And then each of those boxes gives you something to do. So the weakest, weakest, you're probably going to look at either getting out of the situation or it's just a no. It's it's an it's not worth going there. You've got weak capabilities. It's weak, attractive. Why on earth would you try to put effort into that marketplace when you've got something the other side, which is potentially could give you a market leadership position? You've got strong capabilities, strong attractiveness. That's where your focus is going to be. Now, that was a very, very quick overview of what can be a very powerful and very time consuming model to use. So if you're interested, there are a, a number, there are whole books written on the directional policy matrix. Um, do read, do read further if you want to, to try to use this. And finally, we are going to look at another strategic model, but now we're in the communications in, um, area of marketing. And this is the DRIP model. Um, the DRIP model was created by Chris Phil, um, and it's a way of considering your communications from a more strategic level. So we're up in the area of thinking about the flow of our communications and supporting our whole communications planning campaigns. And we're setting broad communication goals, thinking, how do I take people perhaps from um, through the whole element of drip? So the four elements of drip, the D is differentiate. I'll go through what they are and then I'll explain. The R is reinforce. The I is inform. And the P is persuade. So we differentiate our product and service by defining where it's positioned in the marketplace. To go back to my Wilco example, arguably it was a, a well-known brand with a bright red logo. It popped up on your on the high street. And if you wanted somewhere that you could go to that would give you cheap and cheerful, Wilco was where you would go. So it differentiated itself in the marketplace. It was also seen as quite a family-based business. It was run by the by a, by a family. It, it 
viewed itself as a, as a family-based firm, which differentiates it from somewhere like the pound shop chain, which is, is, doesn't have that sort of family feel. So that's your differentiation. Then you want to reinforce those messages. So you want to be reinforcing your differentiation um, in as many ways as you can um, through your marketing communications. So all your communications should pull together to keep reinforcing that brand message of this is where we're different. So is our, is our product superior, cheaper, easy to use? Are we family based? Are we convenient? Are we luxury? Whatever it is, your messages should all reinforce that. Um, then there's an element of re-informing people. You've, if people aren't aware of your brand, then um, you need to inform them about it if they're in your target market. So informing people, reaching out, perhaps doing some profile building, considering ways that you can inform people. And if you've got a new to market product, something that people aren't aware of, you may need to educate whether it's that you're educating about the usage of heat pumps, which regular listeners will know is something that aerates me at the moment, or whether you're trying to explain how to use a product or the best way to use a product, um, information, informing of drip is, is part of that. And then finally, of course, you want to persuade your audience to behave in a particular way. Um, you might want to encourage them to do um, a you might want them to encourage them to actually buy your product, but you might also want them to visit a website. You might want them to go and read about your product, perhaps go and inform themselves, encourage them. You might want to get them to share it. It might be that you want to request a trial usage. So you are thinking of ways that the steps that you want someone to take in order to persuade them to purchase your product. So that is the drip model differentiate, reinforce, inform and persuade. And that is the end of this D of the Marketer's Guide to Acronyms. Um, as I said, we had completed A, B and C a while back and you can find those past shows from wherever you get your podcasts from. And I'll catch you again next week. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.